welcome to Eerie Essex. I'm Bethan Briggs-Miller. And I'm Ailsa Clark. Thank you for joining us on our journey into the stranger side of the county. We will be exploring the folklore, urban legends and supernatural encounters that form part of its rich history. Welcome to episode 12 of Eerie Essex. I can't believe we're on episode 12 already. It's flying by the year. (laughs) This week, no, this month, we're starting with a listener story because we've got something very special coming up in a couple of weeks where we're going to be talking to Joe Hickey Hall from the Modern Fairy Sightings podcast. Because, yep, you've guessed it. The next episode is fairies. And there's more of them than you'd think in Essex. It is knee-deep in fey folk. Up to our eyeballs. In goblins and gnomes and dryads. Winged people and, yeah. I think we say this with every subject. It's like we uncovered more than we discovered. It really is. Chocker. So we, for this episode, we spoke to one of our listeners, Wendy Buck. She was absolutely lovely. She, We met her in Maiden Found, which, as you must have gathered by now, is our favourite haunt. Ah, did you see what I did there? Haunt. <laughs> That'll make, that funny. joke will make sense towards the end of the episode. But she had some really interesting stories about a couple of different places across the Colchester and Mersey area. And some of it even backed up some other stories. Elsa, do you want to fill in on that? So... Whilst Wendy was speaking to us, we did have to edit some things out, either due to the nature of what we were talking about or to do with privacy. And one large part we edited out because we thought it would be better to tell the story a little bit more gently was about the Mercury Theatre. So Wendy did used to work at the Mercury and she told us uh, a couple of things we kept in the podcast, but she did tell us one incident that happened while she was at school where a boy unfortunately completed suicide from the roof of the Mercury building and the the description of what of how it happened linked in to another listener's story Katie Cern and it was very surprising how neatly it joined those two stories together yeah very neatly very sadly and very but yeah it made a lot of sense and Wendy herself is a really interesting person by the way she used to um, co-host a radio show so whilst we were giving her tips on how to speak to the microphone we then felt very embarrassed when she said oh yes I used to do this on the radio (laughs) yeah we felt Um, a bit egg on face (laughs) (laughs) was it what was the character she used to play Madame Malarkey Madame Malarkey yeah she's talking about resurrecting her again isn't she yeah, we're trying to convince uh, Wendy to start her own podcast with Madame Malarkey. She does actually have a record um, that was produced of Madame Malarkey, but uh, I don't think it exists in digital format at the moment, but we really would like her to start a podcast of Madame Malarkey. Yeah, hashtag Madame Malarkey for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so we, yeah, we met her at the cafe. 
Oh, and before we actually got talking to Wendy, you might have seen on our Instagram feed and Twitter, we got to go into the basement of Maidenfound. The the spookiest part about that was getting down there, I found. It was really creepy. It was down a very small... Um, hole in the floor. Hole in the floor, yes. <laughs> and very, very tiny steps, but very steep steps. And then we, we were in the in the roman wall it was really cool yeah it was fascinating uh quite scary and especially um when we heard the stories later on so yes definitely should we dive right into wendy's tale i should just say before we start this episode of course was recorded and made and found so that there will be background noise there is the noise of traffic unfortunately oh and And that dog yeah we do have our own black shuck through some of the first part of the episode (laughs) and me slurping on my frappe I think I got that edited out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. So hello and welcome to a special episode of Eerie Essex. We're here at the Maiden Found Cafe with Wendy, who's hello. going to tell us her spooky stories. Do you want to start with perhaps Mersey Island? That did sound a good one. Yes, of course. Well, basically I got... Um, some training uh, years ago in theatrical costumes down at the Mercury Theatre, uh, a little bit of work experience. And then one day by chance, reading the local paper and noticed uh, a vacancy uh, for the old um, costume shop on Mersey Island, which was called Linden's. So popped along, had an interview and uh, almost started work immediately. And it was a really fascinating place. They've got roughly about 10,000 costumes, roughly. So there was a large warehouse at the back and I met two of my best friends who even nearly 30 years later I'm still really close to there. They were both working and um, yeah, we used to have a riot in the warehouse. It was, it's not <laughs> you can imagine that would be so much fun. Putting on costumes, <laughs> running up and down, waving swords at each other, which we did do. But it was also, there was definitely a very strong atmosphere in certain parts of the warehouse. So I suppose the most active, if that's perhaps the right word. Part of the warehouse was, um, believe it or not, the what we called the Teddy Boy Rail. Oh. So basically, it was the 20th century rail. On one side, there was a big section full of all um, bare jackets. Then 60s, 70s. And then there was also on the other side, a all really beautiful, original 50s... 40s going all the way back to sort of Edwardian um, costumes so a lot of what was actually in there was either original period costumes and I uh, and that's we we even had a a very nice Georgian dress which uh, I think when the actual um, company closed down I think that went to a museum. I was going to ask if there were reproductions or most well the um Anything 20th century was virtually, was original. So that's Mm -hmm. Edwardian all the way through 20s, 30s, 40s, all the way up to, we stopped at 70s. The Teddy Boys, now they were specifically made for stage shows. Mm -hmm. There might have been one or two originals, but they were like sets for obviously productions because what predominantly the company did was supply theatrical costumes for amateur dramatics Mm -hmm. and also professional shows as well. And that was a very active rail. Basically, um, my friend Jiz, her real name's Giselle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a brilliant name. <laughs> he just called her Jiz. Um, 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> she, she'd been there longer than I had, and we, we we were sort of messing around one day, and suddenly I'd hear a shriek from the rail where she'd gone down to try and get something. She'd come bursting out, and do be aware, she was a very tall, slim, six foot four, five goth, sometimes wearing the boots as well. It just made her nice. <laughs> screaming coming out. It was it, it was mad basically, and uh, what. What essentially was, it was that specific section on that 20th century where, where the Teddy Boy jackets were. And we'd have all sorts. We'd have uh, sounds. We'd have um, the rail shaking, which was very unusual because if anybody knows anything about clothes, you get two or three jackets on your arm and you think, my goodness, aren't they heavy? Yeah, I was going to uh, say, those and those Teddy Boy jackets, I've seen them and they are extremely thick and heavy, aren't they? They are. They are heavy. And these rails were, were long rails full of the whole shit the whole 20th century. And um, they'd get movement, you'd get sounds, but I couldn't say they were vocal sounds, it was unusual. Um, but the, the, the oddest thing that personally ever happened to me was, um, it was around about Christmas time. I'd gone down there looking for something and it had not been a great day work-wise. <laughs> And uh, so we'd all been having a bit of a whinge and a moo, and suddenly, out of, completely out, out of the blue, in front of me was was a wire coat hanger in mid air on its own, what? and the blinking thing—I restrain myself from swearing—wrapped <laughs> me sharp on the nose, and I was like, "Ow, ow, jizzy!" <laughs> <laughs> Was that the same spot that she had an encounter? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's a, a very active section. And uh, so we had that. Then just after Christmas, I was wearing um, a ring I'd got uh, with the comedy and tragedy masks on. Mm. And um, it got lost. Can you imagine in that entire warehouse? I was so oh, cross. No. I'd literally just got it. So, what, what, what? I didn't know where to start looking. For some mad reason, I was in the middle of the Victorian rail, um, and there was big wicker hampers in there, full of um, top hats, all original. Wow. And I was sort of pulling them out because obviously, you know, your hands are everywhere. You're pulling out clothes, you're putting back clothes, you're going into boxes, coming out of boxes. No, it definitely wasn't in there. And I just stood, stood there. Fuming, and uh, I looked towards the end of the aisle, and then tinkle, 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 came came my ring rolling at the end of the aisle. I'd been down the far end of the aisle, and at the top where the aisle finished, and there was like the big walkway between the two sections of the warehouse. Yeah, tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. It just came rolling and rolling along the um, the walkway, and then it stopped right in front of my rail. I was like, I said, I've had enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I just picked it up and put it on. And, and what did it feel like when you picked it up? It was cold. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't get any. I was more angry that I'd lost it, to be quite honest, than the fact that it had just rolled up the the aisle in between the two sections and stopped in front of me. It's almost like something's playing with you. It was. It was quite. I mean, the wrapping on the nose with the, with the coat hanger, and, and as I said. Honestly, I was just in that aisle looking for something, and then the coat hanger was just in front of me, 
in midair. I mean, I've seen things like I've seen a leaf hang in midair because mm. it was attached to a, a coat hanger that would have been way too heavy yeah. for that to have Beyond been a like a spider web, web or anything like yeah, that. No. I mean, I've seen a little pebble suspended by a bit of um, a spider's web as well, actually. Just but then to wrap you on the nose as well. Yeah, wrap mm. on the nose. Oh, yeah, that didn't go down terribly well. <laughs> so that was after a day you said where you were all feeling quite stressed. Yes. How are you feeling the day that your ring went missing? Oh, I was furious. Oh. Yeah, literally, literally it, it just, I, I just got it that Christmas and it it come off again. But um, basically, if I explain, the warehouse was um, divided into um, an L shape. So big oblong and a walkway in the centre. One side, uh, all, all the costumes. The other side, more costumes. Then it, as I said, it was an L and it went round the corner. And when you got round the corner, that was a further, quite active area. That's where all the military costumes were. And right. were those um, real or reproduction ones? Most of them were real. And uh, the, the predominantly Second World War, but there was some First World War. And they're ones that obviously that had been donated. Because originally Lyndon's costumes was um, in South End, right. And this little um, old lady had it for years. It, you know, years. And um, basically people would have donated things to her. I mean, people came to the shop and donated things to us as well. Um, so we, uh, we had... As I said, quite a selection of original uniforms. First World War, predominantly Second World War, but also odds and bods of other things like St John's ambulance uniforms that they they were quite old, you know, and other things, and a huge selection of real army boots and things like that. <laughs> and then we had some weaponry as well. Wow. Yeah, never fire a crossbow. That's all I can say. <laughs> we were messing around once with swords and things. Cause we were young, you know. And um, we've all been there. Yeah. Crossbows. Crossbows. Yeah, yeah. Roman swords. Um, she and I said to Jesus, I said, "Oh look, look. Does it? Do you think it actually works?" <laughs> so I put a pencil in it, and yes, it does. It works. Oh, thank God. No wonder they use them in *Fear the Walking Dead* because they are quite deadly, mm. even with a pencil. And um, yeah, no, that that was not really enough. You'd think that'd be really active, but not. Yeah. A, Teddy Boy was the most active rail, but there, the um, you definitely got the. There was more of a presence with the uniforms now. Whether that's because they're uniforms and they command that sort of. Mm atmosphere I want to you say. Expect it, you, you expect it don't you? Yeah you do sort of expect it but there were definitely something there. Personally I never experienced anything I mean apart from you you definitely I suppose weirdly enough I, I did I did because it was quite private in that section you did that when you tried on costumes you did tend to go to that section to strip off if you want a better words and <laughs> put all the garb on uh, but you definitely got a sensation you were being watched when you were in that area but it wasn't Mm, sort of mm, there wasn't any sort of malice with it no, you know, no. but it, it was definitely there but no the most active rail was definitely that 20th century rail so and basically what happened is at the end of the day the company went on for several years um, I left and I managed to get another job with a costume company and I did some freelance stuff obviously for the local Mercury Theatre as well. The idea was to sell it all off I think individually so when that happened I did nip down and that was a really hilarious experience. It was almost as if the costumes didn't want me to come back because I, <laughs> I got I was on the bus I got on the strood and it was high tide and the water actually came inside the bus. 
and I had to lift no. my feet off of the floor. Why did the bus try and go across? They do. They do. Yeah. yeah. I know. I've told the I've done the Roman centurion story for the for the Strood, and I did warn people not to do that. But I do know buses will quick, will attempt yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we we are going back to the nineteen eighties, so poof, you know. No health and safety. <laughs> no health and safety. What you know? Um, so basically, and I was like, oh my, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get there. But I did get there, and I did buy some items um, from them. I wanted some some of the vet beaded dresses, but they were too expensive. So I got a very nice um, 1930s um, silk velvet evening bag with a oh. silver marquise clasp. That's lovely, and another another one. Little, not not in brilliant condition, but another one. And what happened was. People came down, they bought items, but not a lot. So they actually sold the whole collection as as is. And it was opened up in Colchester, just off of Drury Road, I think. It, and the costume company was called Magpies. That sounds familiar. Mm. Yeah, so I worked for them for a little while. And I definitely, I, I didn't get this, the same sense from the collection, although... It had actually increased a little bit. I think there was more. Apart from, there is still this very strange atmosphere with the uniforms. Again, is that something it commands? Because a part of my work, I look at the agency of objects, and you know, and and uniforms do command that sort of agency. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. It was it was definitely there. And again, once again, it was put like round a corner so you're, you're turning that corner it's, it's like that people are subconsciously t- sort of putting them away from the main mm. area yeah so before you had these experiences on Mersey had you had any experiences like this before like had you ever sort of um, felt like you'd been around the paranormal or I'm just trying to think or was um, this like the experience that kind of I made you that go was the most that was the most it's the most Initially significant one, <laughs> and of course, I I was seventeen, eighteen at the time. Um, anything further back, I suppose, there was a very odd Christmas once. I was we stayed overnight at my um, grandparents' house on Christmas Eve, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and the bedroom lights were on, and there was the bedroom being decorated for Christmas, and there was tinsel around the. Um, 30s dressing table and the vanity set that had those old-fashioned glass vanity sets there for candlesticks and glass trays there were candles and it was lit and then I closed my eyes again and they had gone and the room was in back so I suppose that's I'd have probably been quite young then eight right but I was awake because um closed my eyes again shook my head and opened them and it had all returned oh so they, I did this several times, well, I repeated this several times, and in the end, it's quite pragmatic. I just thought, oh, I can't be bothered with this anymore. <laughs> and I went back to sleep, Christmas tomorrow! <laughs> so that was almost like a time warp situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, yeah, were slipping in and out. It, it did feel a bit odd, actually. That was, I never actually considered it as, as that sort of incident, but um, now that you say it, I could, I could definitely see that, yes. Interesting. But um, yeah, okay, yeah, and that's 70s. You're going back. We do love the 70s because absolutely everything happened everything in the 70s. Happened in the 70s, it's guaranteed to be the 70s. Oh, oh, well, blame the 60s, folks. <laughs> so, um, so, town shops. Oh, well, I suppose 
although I've sort of done a few bits and bobs at the Mercury Theatre and worked for some costume people. Did you ever experience anything at the Mercury Theatre? Because we had someone write in. Yes, who Katie Cern. She had loads, she knew loads that happened there. Well, there, I, I do know a few things. I, I tell you what, for some reason, never, I don't know. I mean, this world is like weird anyway, but stuff will never go right in the theatre. You know, you, like, the washing machines were constantly breaking down. And if you're in the wardrobe, that's quite serious. Mm. Um, irons would always be super hot. You couldn't get the bloom and temperatures turned down. And the thing is, even though this is years ago, you'd have to have, um, they'd have to be pat tested even then. So why we could never get anything electrical to work? properly I honestly do not know but that actually caused quite serious problems mm. you'd put the washing on at night um hope to get be able to get it finished before you leave and you'd end up being there till midnight I mean you do do long nights but you'd end up being there until almost midnight because the washing machine just would not stop going <laughs> that's strange isn't it it's almost like electrical surge yeah mm. it was um yeah no there, there was definitely an odd atmosphere there but I've um I've never seen anything I think that's theatres for you in general. I mean, there's so much emotion and like high tension going on at a theatre. Stress, because as you say, everything has to go right. Yeah, there's no room for error, really. Is must there? be all right on the night. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So that's that's basically the main thing that I noticed in the theatre. Um, they, they again, they had some lovely costumes there, but over the years, that's all been split up, which is a bit of a shame. So you also had a was it were we talking about the shops in town? Oh yes. They were going to yeah. go on to Sorry, that, that was me like segue in there. Yeah. Bethan's really good at a segue. <laughs> <laughs> well basically and um, I've used uh, sorry, I've worked in the shops in Colchester on and off for several decades. And I used to work in here when it was the cusp for mm-hmm. a, about a year until Christmas. Well, upstairs where we are now was where the tarot reader used to be. Oh, Francis Lovely was just chap. telling us about that Francis as well. was just telling us about that, yeah. Yeah, really nice chap, Mark, very good. That that was his profession, that was all he did. He made a, he made a, a reasonable living from that, very happy. And I didn't notice anything, but Mark said there was, there was something. And then after the cusp had moved, it became a couple of other shops and then there was like a new age shop here and upstairs there was a lot of clothes and there was a lovely lady who uh, she's not local i believe she comes from chelmsford she said they'd had some things go on up here oh. and she 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 said she believed, she thought there was some sort of portal i'm not quite sure what to but uh, <laughs> um yeah no they they were here only briefly which was a shame but uh, all of these shops along sir isaac's walk Eld Lane, Shortwire Street, they're all built on the Roman Wall and part of them are usually in it as well. Mm. So there's lots of cellars and I have been into the cellar here. So did we. Yeah, we just had a, a little trip down. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was like. Has, has oh. it still got a fireplace? Yeah, because um, there, there was a fireplace down Unfortunately, there. it's mostly just chairs. <laughs> I've got photos of. Yeah, I mean... They are, they are surprisingly, yes, yeah, surprisingly huge. I was surprised at how big it was. Yes. And they must be part of the original wall, and probably made from yes, the wall. Yes, they, they are. They, they are part of, you know, one side will definitely be part of the Roman wall. Many, pe- many people in Colchester will remember the old shop. Um, traders in Sir Isaac's Walk, which was once two floors. Mm-hmm. So upstairs was giftware, and downstairs they had a lovely cafe, restaurant, 
and also they sold um, kitchenware. Um, I think they were the first people in the, in culture to sell to sell their under crusade. And yeah, very posh. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very trendy. I mean, seventies. You know, you'd have died and gone to heaven mm. in there. It was really um, something. But they also, for a while, the cafe was actually in an enormous Roman cellar. I actually went in it when I was little. We we had some. I had some sort of hot barley water, which, quite frankly, was disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) And that was amazing. And eventually, though, when they built the new precinct where um, the former Debenhams is, um, they had to stop because all the building work cracked the um, ceiling and water started to come in. That has been sorted out now and I don't think it leaks but that was uh, uh, the unfortunate result at the time but uh, as you go further along obviously there's more cellars this one here if you go further down to where I am now at um, Traders of the East there's another big big cellar that there mm-hmm. it's actually got a small side room as well wow and uh, yeah we've had a few sort of odd bod things go on there but the cotton is so busy mm-hmm. um, refilling yeah we've had sort of um because we have CCTV, had orbs and bits and pieces. Nothing for like months and then suddenly one day loads. Uh, lots of um, bits and bobs sort of moving. And one of my very dear friends was absolutely insistent that this little figure kept moving. Do you remember in the British Museum where a little Egyptian figure kept moving round? Yes. yes. Well, we had that, but not an Egyptian figure. <laughs> uh, we had those little carved stone angels. Oh, yeah. And it used to um, turn round. I mean, but again, with the, with the footfall of traffic and minute movements, plus our floor is not even because the, the uh, building itself is very old, like this building. A heavy lorry's going past as well on some bottles. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of movement, but she was really insistent that that, that kept moving. I did have a, a toy cat leap off a shelf at me once. <laughs> but again, you know, people move stuff, you know, it could have fallen. But uh, no, the most fascinating thing I think about that comes to mind is I used to know somebody who had a shop in Red Line Walk. Mm-hmm. And there's stories about a tunnel from Colchester Castle all the way through to Red Lion Walk and there's supposed to be another tunnel that goes to the Town Hall as well (laughs) but the one in Red Lion Walk I did actually see the door to her cellar and I went down the cellar and at the bottom you know in uh, her cellar wasn't particularly big but in the far corner there was a a, another um, not a door, um, well, it wasn't, but there was a doorway and then there was uh, like an iron prison... Oh, like a gate. Gate, mm-hmm. yeah, with bar- a barred gate. That's the word I'm looking for. It was a barred <laughs> gate. And you could clearly see there was brickwork and like tunnel-ish mm. sort of thing that went on further. But yeah, I didn't have a chance to really sort of investigate. That's that's uh, one of one of the stories. And, and actually, I'm sure there's quite a few few more tunnels around the Waterstones town. Waterstones has a yeah. to one. Kirsty yes, um, showed me a picture of it. Um, my sister-in-law mm. used to work in the Waterstones and she showed, did show me a picture of the cellar that does have a little door at the end of it, so it does go mm. on. Yes. I mean, you asked on the one of the history Facebook groups, didn't you? Does it, or was it, uh, so one of us asked about tunnels and it really split 
like people got that was like, you that asked that was about me. it <laughs> of course it was passionate you. about it like either yes there are or don't be silly there was no one in between it was either you believed in the tunnels or you didn't believe in the tunnels yes but you saw the tunnel yes you heard it here folks <laughs> red light uh, red, red line walk yes. is the shop still there yes it is yes I mean there's been a lot of alterations over the years um trying to think if it's the vape shop or the one next door it's definitely quite central to the um, walk mm-hmm. and of course next and there's also there's that cake shop as well and I'm pretty sure they've got a seller in that cake shop but um, no that was gosh I must have seen that about probably 20 years ago I suppose mm. round about round about 20. When we came in, we asked um, Francis, who owns Maiden Found, about yes. um, what's going on here. And she said she said as well about the tower readers and people yeah. who used to be up there. And there was somebody once who saw a dark figure go through. She said... I think it was in the room just next to us. Yeah, yeah. through there, as you come up the stairs. And this whole area, this side of the wall, would have been in the medieval times the red light district of Colchester. Oh, really? Mm. And people have picked up that perhaps this was a brothel and there was... Quite, it was quite distressing. She said yeah, she said that, that it was women in distress, possibly, that, yeah. the, that somebody was picking up up here. Mm. But um, we do have a story about the Chinese restaurant just down there. Yes. Who have has a very cheeky ghost that they call his nibs. His nibs. He likes to materialise in the toilet. Oh, God. Yes, in the, la- the ladies' toilet specifically. And it's believed he was a customer of the red light district who might have met his end down there. Yes. <laughs> there was... Uh, it used to be a vodka bar, but it's that um, that building just outside the I window there, the one, beauty yes. parlour. Mm-hmm. And they've got a lady that haunts the first floor, and you can only see the top half of her. Her legs are beneath the floor. Ah, yes. But no one's ever seen her legs underneath. Yeah. But well, I did have a friend who works there, and he said that the atmosphere up there was was really unpleasant. You oh. couldn't really pin it down. But I do know in the fifties and sixties that this building that we're in today was a really trendy cafe, mm-hmm. Teddy Boy's Cafe, but uh, I say trendy, I, it's perhaps the wrong word. They had a, the police were always coming to the building because there was constant trouble, you know, all sorts of odd things going on mm. that people, uh, you know, that you couldn't explain and I suppose in those days you, you probably would have called the police. Well, yeah, I mean, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters <laughs> haven't come out yet. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, and it actually had uh, in, in even in those decades, it actually it did have a bit of a reputation for activity. Yeah, yeah. And what, that was do, do you remember the name of the, what it used to be? Cafe, no, I don't. Have a look. I want to say the pink toothbrush, but that's that's an old dive in the South End, so that, <laughs> that's not. Honestly, I can't remember. I but we we had a when I was working here, we had an old customer come in and he was telling us about it. No, he didn't mention the name. Can't okay. remember. Oh, that's fascinating, Wendy. Thank you that's, so much. That's all right. I'm yeah, so glad you confirmed the presence of tunnels. <laughs> Definitely. I've seen, You've seen them. I'm never Lots going to one. be able to get her to stop talking about them nope. now. <laughs> all I go on about is tunnels. <laughs> one of the things that I should have mentioned earlier was um, I did a little bit of amateur dramatics before I became professional and I worked with the Priory Players mm-hmm. and they um, did a couple of performances in uh, Trinity Gardens which is where the Tiptree Tea Rooms is now mm-hmm. and it's a really beautiful garden but when we were performing there it was a little bit more overgrown not quite as sort of well kept and we had the changing rooms upstairs in what 
at that time was of course the clock museum oh, of course yeah yeah and every night without fail the security guard or the guardian of the house or whoever it was would, would um, at the end of the performance would come come down and say somebody stop going upstairs and opening all the windows and of course none of us did oh yes because when it was the clock museum that upstairs floor wasn't um usable oh it uh, it had to be um what's it reinforced when they uh, opened the Timpley's cafe yeah so ba- basically um nobody did uh what um i mean again this is going back quite a few years what happened was upstairs was there was a section you were allowed to use and that was the changing room and then there was a further section it's almost like a third floor but it wasn't a third floor it's sort of there were quite a few levels up there but not different floors if that makes sense and yeah every night without fail the rooms would um, the windows in those rooms would be shut when we arrived mm. Um, when we left and nobody would go into those rooms and in fact on a couple of occasions I actually had to stay upstairs on my own (laughs) to make sure that nobody came up or or none of the other cast members sort of were doing anything daft like opening the windows and nobody did so I was up there just maintaining order costumes (laughs) order and uh, yeah the, the chap from the museum would come and say, well, the windows are open again. I said, well, I can assure you, nobody has been upstairs. What? And that went on all, all week that we were obviously there. And a couple of years ago, um, a friend and I were visiting, and this was before the refurbishment, so the museum was still there. And we, um, but what they'd done is at the back of those gardens, there used to be a large, really old-fashioned green shed where all the maintenance equipment was kept that had gone and James we were just taking photographs James took some photos and they are it's completely full of orbs absolutely everywhere. oh really yeah uh, in daylight obviously because you've got to be in here at night yeah because you mostly pick them up like with a light like a flash don't yeah. you but no that's really interesting he must have them on a PC somewhere. I'll have to ask him if he's got those. Oh, if you've got them, can yeah. we... Oh, yes, please send I, us I shall, I'll ask him. He is rather busy. But... <laughs> I mean, I have a, um, a story of strangeness about the Timpley's uh, Museum as well, because obviously I work for the museum service, so mm. it was still open when I was working there. Mm. And they had a significant problem with the Clock Museum. Oh. Um, the problem was is that somebody kept on stealing the L out of Clock. Ah, and it happened so often, they painted the L back on with security paint, and guess what somebody did? They spent all night scraping that security paint off, so it would remain... That's dedication. It, it would remain without its L. Oh, so strange. dedicated somebody was to making sure it was not a clock museum. Imagine if you came especially to see a museum like that, and then you found out it was just full of clocks. <laughs> the disappointment. <laughs> I think they had um, a couple of paranormal groups um, going in there and they picked up orbs with a naked eye, like wow. blue, blue orbs. Um, oh, wow. And a lot of people said they felt sick when they went in there. Like that sort of, you know, when you go down quickly on a car, oh, that, yes. that stomach. It did used to have a bit of a damp problem as well, as I remember when I... I think it was slightly was off yeah. level as well, which can make you feel a bit... 
Well, we used to have it at first sight, didn't we? When the some we'd have sort of older people and they would get very disorientated about the floor. Oh yeah, because the floor just rises ever mm. so slightly and the walls yeah. are all leaning. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The floors upstairs weren't level. It was really um, quite raked. I think is the term. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So that was really, I was so fascinated with Wendy. I could have spoken to her for hours, which we did, nearly. We really, we spent quite a long time speaking to Wendy. <laughs> we like segued from the paranormal to everyday things and back again. So bless you, you must have edited quite a bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Took several hours, um, but I, there was so much I, I wanted to keep in there because it was all brilliant. So even when it wasn't paranormal-based, it was just a slice of social history of Colchester. That's it. I mean, I know we've said it in the last couple of episodes, but if people have got stories, they don't necessarily have to be about Essex. If you're a listener and you enjoy listening to our stories and you've got something to share, share it. It's so lovely. If it is about Essex, we'll definitely be interested. <laughs> we'll be definitely interested. And let's be honest, Finland, because now we're in a ratings war with Peter Laws. <laughs> oh, and since we recorded this episode, Colchester has become a city. It has. So, so now city dwellers. We are city dwellers. Nothing's <laughs> well, changed. <laughs> no, nothing's changed. Well, you're, you're still a city dweller on, on outskirts. But my village might become a town. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, and. I suppose we can say now, because by the time the podcast airs, we should be able to release our bit of news. Yes. Do you want to do it? I do. Earlier this year, Elsa and I applied for um, an arts and cultural fund uh, to try and get some better equipment uh, to make our recordings more professional and reach a right, wider audience. We want to take Erie Essex on the road and go out to the communities, different villages, towns, cities, and collect your stories actually you know in situ and we were really lucky we were awarded quite a nice surprising sum my eyebrows my eyebrows shot straight off my forehead and my jaw went straight to the floor so (laughs) we um we're very very excited and we're very very oh we we can't thank you enough explore essex you've literally opened so many doors for us now and we can do so much with this money and we should thank the Essex, essex records office who gave us a letter of recommendation as well Yes, thank you. And we look forward to working with you on this because we want to come with you. We want to come and record <laughs> at you. So we'll we'll be in touch about that. So yeah, watch this space. We'll as um as we plan the project out now and um we'll be releasing updates on where we, we plan to be, where we're um heading. And anyone's if anyone's got any suggestions, let us know. Right. Shall we wrap it up? Yeah, it's been a it's been a good episode and it's only a week now until we're recording again. We're getting busy. My brain's gone. <laughs> yeah, we're both very tired and we're both going to London tomorrow to see Danny Robbins' play 222. 222? I think it's 222. We're going to see 222 and we're very excited because we're going with the Uncanny Gang and they're a good laugh. And it's goodbye from Elsa. And it's goodbye from Bethan. Bye. Goodbye.